Hey guys, welcome to another huge episode of Triggered. Today we are joined by Peter Schweitzer. Peter is an investigative journalist. He's the author of the new book, Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. This is a must-read book and a must-see interview. Peter has the receipts. He will explain why people are not speaking up more vocally about fentanyl, a drug that kills over 100,000 Americans a year. Just for perspective, that's like two Vietnams a year in America to your children, your friends, your loved ones, and your neighbors, okay? Peter's been at the center of uncovering the corruption inside the Washington swamp, the Biden cram family, and how our leaders are putting foreign adversaries above the American people. We talk about this all the time. It keeps getting worse because they'll take the money gladly while selling you down the river each and every day. So guys, we need you guys to keep liking, sharing, subscribing so you never miss one of these episodes, okay? You can also get them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts after they air here on Rumble. But I need you to share those with your friends. If that's how they get their podcasts or if they get them when they're traveling, send them that way so that we can grow, we can get the word out, and that's how we're going to do it. And for all of the top stories we cover here on the show, uh, don't forget to check out my news app, MXM News, where you can get the mainstream news without the mainstream bias. And bias is a big thing that we'll be talking about a lot these days. You see what's going on in Google's chatbot, Gemini, the insanity that they're feeding, but they've been putting their hand on the scale for a very, very long time. But before we get to Peter... There's a lot of big news we got to cover. So let's get into a rundown of the top headlines of the day. Guys, Joe Biden, after three and a half years, is visiting the border today, which is sort of like a criminal returning to the scene of the crime, right? The arsonist is inspecting the fire. He's in Brownsville, very far away from where anything's really going on for a very orchestrated and well curated and sanitized border tour. The reason 10 million illegal immigrants have crossed into our country in three years and enough fentanyl comes in every single year to kill each and every American in existence is because of Joe Biden and the Democrats' policies. He is to blame. They are to blame. Biden inherited the most secure border in history and reversed the policies that got us there. They bragged about it. And I'd like to understand from you what Trump era immigration policies have been banned, ended, reversed, and if any investigations are underway by you. Uh, so we have rescinded so many uh, Trump immigration policies. It would take so much time to list them. Joe Biden wants to come off like your friendly old grandpa, but he's an unhinged radical on immigration. He supports driver's license for illegal immigrants, no deportations for illegals convicted of DUI, an amnesty for tens of millions of illegals, mostly because they'll be reliable Democrat voters, taking your hard-earned money and your tax dollars and spending them. Not deporting illegals who committed social security fraud is another group that Joe Biden wants to protect. Now, if you as an American did that, you would be in jail. Illegals, no problem. 
no deportation, no nothing. The reality is, folks, that Joe Biden and AOC have exactly the same stance on illegal immigration. Meanwhile, my father is actually seeing the real border crisis firsthand today in Eagle Pass, where illegals are flooding our country day after day, bringing more crime and more chaos to this already troubled nation because of these same policies. It's not the sanitized drive-by border tour, remember like the one that Kamala Harris did like a thousand miles away from the real problem? Because, you know, I guess you can't let her actually get near anything that's real because she'll botch that or do one of her, you know, word salad speeches. But my father is in, not in Brownsville, he's in Eagle Pass, where it's happening, where the crisis is. When he announces immediately thereafter, Joe Biden says, oh, I guess I got to go down there too. Sort of reminds you of what happened in East Palestine. Joe Biden, I guess, went there a year after my father, but my father's fighting for the things that matter to all of Americans. All Biden wants to do is distract from the reality of his failure and deny it all, knowing that the mainstream media and big tech will do his bidding in trying to cover it up. Meanwhile... Joe Biden's son, Hunter, extraordinary human being, I'm told, was on the Hill yesterday. Finally, after three and a half years, sitting down for closed-door testimony. They asked him about his infamous text message where he wrote to a Chinese business associate, I am sitting with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment has not been fulfilled. I'm very concerned that Yi has either changed his mind and broken our deal without telling me or that he is unaware of the promises and the assurances, and the assurances that have been made and not kept. Guys, that was a shakedown, just so we're clear. Literally no other human being on the face of the earth would get the benefit of the doubt on that one other than, obviously, the 50-year-old baby Hunter Biden. He's just a child of a president, folks. Just a few days after sending that text, a Hunter Biden linked bank account received the money he was asking for, $5 million. That's $5 million from China after Hunter Biden said that Joe was worried that the commitment had not been fulfilled. Huh, strange. They keep saying, where's the evidence? Sort of seems like that one. So what was Hunter's explanation for this text? Well, folks, Hunter said that he was high or drunk when he sent it. It's a convenient excuse, right? I mean, they throw that around about me quite a bit. And yet, when I go in for my testimony, I go in like a man, not a baby, not lying, not making excuses. But the DOJ, controlled by Joe Biden and the Democrats, they're never going to do anything for what's obviously perjury, what's clearly a lie, what's clearly a compromised president and presidential family. He was high or drunk when he sent it, that his dad wasn't actually there, and that the text was sent to the wrong recipient. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, does anyone actually believe this crap? I mean, it's amazing what they can get away with. I always say, in my next life, I want to come back as a Democrat, because apparently you can do and say anything, and there will be zero consequences. Hunter was literally photographed at Joe Biden's house the day he sent those texts. He also exchanged multiple texts with the Chinese recipient and received the money he was demanding. It was not an accident. 
It was not to the wrong person. No one by accident sends someone $5 million after a text like that. It doesn't work that way. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop lying. Let's start asking the real questions like, Hey, are we making decisions all around the world that are detrimental to America's best interests because the Biden family is compromised? Because if you look at decisions that are being made, if you look at we're getting closer to war, if you look at how we fold each and every day to China and what we'll talk about later on, how we're not looking into the fentanyl crisis clearly created by the Chinese government working with the Mexican cartels. We'll talk about that with Peter Schweitzer. Uh, You got to start wondering what the hell is going on. And get this, guys. According to the New York Post, Hunter Biden affirmed during his deposition that his father, Joe, was the big guy. Because of course he was. There's no one else that it could possibly be. In the business deal with the Chinese state-linked energy firm, Joe Biden was the big guy. But, but, he tried to claim that Joe Biden never was penciled in for the 10% stake. You know, he just said, you know, 10% for the big guy, but it wasn't really for the big guy. It just, he just kind of, he just kind of said that, right? I mean, does anyone believe this? I mean, I, I do take this one personally. I know what they tried doing to me. I know what they did with Russia, Russia, Russia. That was all gospel. That was all fact. For many psychopaths in the mainstream media, it continues to be fact, even though it's been factually dispelled. Hunter Biden just thinks that you're stupid or, or, that you will depend on Wikipedia for your information. If you go over to Wikipedia, folks, you'll learn that Hunter Biden is simply a successful businessman. Wikipedia says he is a venture capital and private equity fund investor. He's a real above-the-board kind of businessman, folks. Wikipedia goes to extensive lengths to cover for Hunter's laptop and for revealing his crimes. For example... His page attacks the New York Post laptop report and said the Post provided no evidence of the authenticity of the device. That's strange. Even our DOJ now says that it's real. And yet, shockingly, Wikipedia hasn't updated that. Wikipedia goes on to say since early 2019, Hunter and his father Joe Biden have been the subjects of false and baseless claims of corrupt activities in a Biden-Ukraine conspiracy theory pushed by then-President Donald Trump and his allies. It's apparently false and baseless to point out the fact that Hunter Biden got rich from a Ukrainian energy company while Joe Biden got the prosecutor investing that show fired. Huh. I think we saw a video about this. We've seen the wires. We know he was there. We know he got paid. We know he had nothing to do with anything. We also know Joe Biden got the prosecutor fired. Wikipedia goes on to say that the Ukraine acquisitions concern, quote, Joe Biden's anti-corruption efforts there. (laughs) Like, hey, guys, my eyes can't roll back in my head far enough. Anti-corruption? The Bidens? Are you kidding me? Joe Biden is on tape getting the prosecutor fired who was investigating his son and Burisma, the company of which no one can explain why Hunter Biden was on the board receiving, what, 80-something thousand dollars a month for a business he knows nothing about, a job he didn't show up for, in a language he doesn't speak. Yeah, he was investigating corruption, all right. No, 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 he was protecting his son and his corruption. Meanwhile, folks, if you read my Wikipedia page, it says, I quote, 
cooperated with Russia in their interference in the 2016 United States elections. <laughs> what? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? I mean, Wikipedia is simply an arm of the left, and it spews nonstop left-wing talking points. And it gets better, folks. There's a whole section about my, quote, views and controversies about, quote, the promotion of conspiracy theories. What conspiracy theories are those, you might ask? Well, things like claiming that the deep state might, just might, be out there undermining my father during his presidency. Yeah, seems like that's been proven right. Wikipedia and big tech are a joke. For example, the problem with Google isn't just Google's Gemini AI chatbot, because if you were to look up the news yesterday that the Supreme Court will decide the issue of presidential immunity, the two top articles on Google News were Joy Reid and Jennifer Rubin's analysis, and the top tweets were from Hillary Rodham Clinton and Nancy Pelosi. Huh. Shocking, guys. Yeah, no, there's no bias in there at all. Google and others, they use Wikipedia as though it's a credible source to be able to fact check you, to be able to censor you, to suppress what you see, and to make sure they put their hand on the scale of truth. They are not talking about truth. They are manipulating the information that we receive on a daily basis. It's why I created the MXM News app that I mentioned earlier, so you can see all sides of a story. That was the one that was debanked by PNC Bank because they didn't want people seeing all sides of a story because they got to protect the narratives at all costs. The folks at Google only want you to see one side. The side that's screeching that it's an attack on democracy if Jack Smith's bogus January 6th case doesn't go to trial before the election. According to liberals, putting your political opponent on trial is the hallmark of any functioning democracy. These people are starting to believe their own nonsense. It's truly incredible. The mental gymnastics to try to make sense of what they're doing in our country is spectacular. It makes Cirque du Soleil seem like they're average, talented individuals. Meanwhile, our favorite prosecutor, Fannie Willis, continues to have a rough time, folks. The lawyer for her lover, Nathan Wade, took the stand again yesterday. At one point during his testimony, he literally said, oh, dang, under his breath, when he was shown texts that reveal that Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis both lied to the court. Guys, uh, as someone who's been a professional witness for the last decade or so, uh, if yes, if your lawyer says, oh, dang, under oath and under his breath on the stand, you're in a lot of trouble if we're not living in a banana republic, which we're not all too sure that we don't live in. But listen closely and you'll hear him say it for yourself. It was two pages of text messages between you and Ms. Merchant, correct? Correct. Now, the first page starts off by saying, Ms. Merchant, like, just date, don't hire him. Do you think it started before she hired him? You see that? Yes, I see it. Yes. And your response to that 
was absolutely correct. I'm going to object, ask some answer in cumulative. All right, so. It's amazing, guys. It's just, it's insane. But speaking of courtroom circuses, yesterday a judge in Chicago, Tracy Porter, ruled that my father is ineligible to be president and ordered him kicked off the Illinois primary ballot. The judge knows her decision won't stand and put her own order on hold. But Judge Porter sided with the plaintiffs, a group called Free Speech for the People. You know, it's one of these things where it's not about that at all, but the left is really good at sort of marketing themselves as this. This is a deranged left-wing organization that on January 20th, 2017, the day my father was inaugurated president of the United States, launched a website called impeachdonaldtrumpnow.org. It's a very serious group, clearly. That said, they were in good company. I believe it was the Washington Post that tried to make the case for impeaching Trump right away on the first day he was president. This judge in Chicago, by the way, is not exactly what many would deem a constitutional scholar. What's her experience, folks? Traffic tickets. <laughs> Seriously. She's, she's a traffic ticket judge. Judge Porter's own biography says she presides over minor traffic violations. So just so we're clear about this, folks, uh, this is the person the left is relying on to preserve democracy by making sure that you cannot vote for the candidate you want to vote for. Just so we're clear, they're saying that out loud. So from parking tickets to interfering in our elections, Judge Porter has quite the range of skill sets. It's almost amazing. These are the things that make third world countries laugh at us, and rightfully so. She'll throw you off the ballot and make sure you pay your parking meter all at the same time, folks. These are serious people, obviously. This is not a clown show. And yet, they keep doing it because they've been able to get away with it because too few people have been willing to step up and call it out. Too few people in the bureaucracy aren't already corrupted by it. Too few people in government care about the will of the people. And therefore, it's all at risk. And folks, don't worry. I didn't forget about Mitch McConnell's announcement. Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Senate, announced yesterday that he will be stepping down as the Republican Senate leader at the end of the year. Good riddance to Mitch the Glitch. Mitch McConnell represents all that is wrong with the Republican Party and what MAGA is fighting to replace. But what is he waiting until November for? You have announced that you're stepping down, you're failing miserably, you're glitching on a world stage. Why not just step down now? Will he try to create as much trouble for MAGA as possible on his way out? Try to do whatever he can to preserve the uni party in Washington, D.C. or the deep state or the rhinos who have no real base other than those in Washington, D.C.? Because it's Mitch McConnell who proclaimed that sending billions of dollars to Ukraine is the number one priority for the Senate. Securing our border isn't the priority for Mitch. He cares more about Ukraine than America. And that part is very clear, and he basically says it. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. Now, Mitch is leaving 
What he'll try to do is pass in his final few months the insanity that he's been all about, what the swamp has been all about for the last few months. It's like when they try to get Ukraine funding for three years so that they can be well into my father's second term and make it hard for him to stop, make it hard for him to create peace because they want to impeach him if he wants to hold back the money. Now, we all understand that nothing happens in Ukraine unless we cut off these funds, but that's how the swamp is operating. How is Mitch McConnell going to stab the America First movement in the back? He's not going to go out quietly. Of that, I'm sure. One of the reasons I'm so glad we have Peter Schweitzer on today is that his new book exposes exactly why Mitch McConnell himself has never prioritized fighting Chinese fentanyl. It's not just guys like Adam Schiff or Joe Biden who conveniently neglect all of these issues because turns out they're kind of conflicted. But it also turns out that Mitch McConnell's in-laws have a shipping company that is heavily dependent on the Chinese government. This is wonderful, folks. We need more people in America whose financial stability and wealth are dependent on China because I want them to be making decisions for us. I'm sure they'll all prioritize America, right, folks? That's what they'll tell you. Were Senator McConnell to take action that angered the Chinese leadership, they could effectively destroy Elaine Chao's family business overnight. It's kind of a problem. Something you probably wouldn't be able to do anywhere else in terms of conflict. So we'll get into all of that with Peter in just a few moments. I want you to check out his book and understand just how compromised so many people are. But first, and before we get there, a word from our incredible sponsors, folks. Guys, be sure to check out the great folks over at GoldCo. We see it day in and day out. Interest rates are rising. Inflation is persisting. We're seeing the reckless spending, global turmoil. Biden caused disasters every day, and it's only leading to more economic anxiety. So I want you to be prepared. Owning tangible, physical, inflation-hedging gold and silver can help secure and stabilize your portfolio. GoldCo has top-notch customer service. They'll answer all your questions. They'll walk you through the whole process so you can educate and inform yourself. Go to donjuniorgold.com to learn more. That's D-O-N-J-R-Gold.com to learn more. Also check out The Wellness Company, a leader in providing emergency medical kits. Like we saw with COVID, supply chain chaos, lockdowns, Fauci failures, all of it can make it harder to get the medicine you need in a time of crisis. With The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit, you're empowered to take control of your health. This kit includes eight life-saving medications, including amoxicillin, the Z-Pak, ivermectin, to keep on hand, along with a guidebook for safe and easy use. So from tick bites to COVID to extreme public health outbreak scenarios, everything is covered. Go to twc.health slash triggered, like the wellness company, twc.health slash triggered for a 15% discount on the emergency medical kit. That's twc.health slash triggered, like the name of the show. Check it out. Well, guys, joining me now, author of the new book, Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans, investigative journalist Peter Schweitzer. Uh, Peter, great to have you on here. Uh, there's so much to uncover uh, in your book. I mean, the evidence of literally Chinese funding of radical elements in the U.S., such as BLM, Antifa, the transgender movement. 
you know, I, I think we you know are starting to make those links, but you've obviously gone much further down the rabbit hole. What you know, what exactly have you found? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, look, a lot of people are looking around and they see that America's on fire. Uh, what they don't realize is that America's on fire. The Chinese are basically holding an empty can of gasoline and our political leaders know it and they're not doing anything about it. Uh, and the evidence is very clear. You look at the funding of, of some of these radical groups, two of the biggest funders of the uh, trans movement in the United States are billionaires based in China. Uh, one is a guy named Joe Tsai. He was a co-founder of Alibaba. He's putting more than $100 million into uh, trans issues and causes. Uh, he's not trans himself. Uh, he's not pushing these issues in China, which is certainly yeah, well, interesting. If you, if you push those issues in China, you'd be in jail, uh, you know, <laughs> exactly if, right. if you were ever heard from again. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, LGBTQ rights in China are non-existent. Um, he's certainly not raising these those issues there. He's raising them in the United States and he's funding them. Uh, there's another guy named Roy Singham. Roy Singham is an American. He's been a Maoist since he was a young man. He started a tech company called ThoughtWorks. He then sold it to an investment firm that was partly owned by the Chinese government. That tells you a lot. He now lives in Beijing, China. And uh, Don, he's put $150 million into radical radical causes, including the trans rights movement. So it's an enormous problem there. But even groups that are just you know politically radical that are causing violence in the streets, groups like PSL, FRSO, these are the organizations that led a lot of the real violent protests in 2020 they are now leading a lot of the pro-Hamas violent protests today. Uh, so it's not so it's not over like BLM. Right? You know, BLM. It's like everyone's sort of on to the scam that you know every like most basic you know white suburban woman in America posted their square. Now they realize it was probably ridiculous, and you know they made a couple billion dollars, and you know it was put into homes for uh, the founders and not much else. But yeah. But this is still going on with other groups. They're just sort of evolving the methodology. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're picking a cause uh, and then they are radicalizing the movements. And these groups in particular, uh, uh, other people on the left say these groups take their cues from China. Uh, they certainly travel and intermingle. And there's a group in China uh, called the Center for the Study of Foreign Marxist Parties. They, they provide intelligence to the CCP leadership and they track these groups in the United States. Uh, and they describe in 2020 how these groups took over BLM. I mean, in other words, I think uh, initially there were people that just thought, hey, do we have a problem with policing in America? You can have a fair debate about yeah. that. These are the hardcore radicals that said, no, it's not a problem of policing. It's a problem of the police having police to begin with. So they wanted to radicalize this movement. And now uh, they're doing the same thing with Hamas. A lot of people look at the current protests and say these are Palestinian protests. They are, but they aren't. Um, these are pro-Chinese groups that are organizing these protests and they're making them violent. And this is part of a Chinese strategy. They call it disintegration warfare, which is turning American against American. They want us divided. They want us at each other's throats. And what I would say, Don, is that that among the general population, I think we're actually a little bit less divided than we think we are. Uh, we oh, yeah. certainly have radical elements. We certainly have radicals in Washington, the deep state in Washington that's doing stuff. But the average American, I don't think it's quite as divided. I think China is just amping it up. Okay, so I mean, you're talking about those billionaires. You know, 
it feels like, you know, our own big tech enterprises that aren't, you know, and maybe there is a tie to China, right? If you want to be Google and you want to function in China, you give them your IP. And, you know, is, is this basically a tax to pay? The guy from Alibaba, here's $100 million for these causes. That's the price of being a billionaire in China. Like, you can do it in a communist yeah. country. You can be a billionaire, but but this is your kickback to the government. You're going to be funding which, you know, very clearly to me, a PSYOP. I mean, I, I want to get down, yeah. you know, go go further into the details, you know, on the transgender thing, because, you know, th that that's very clearly something that just sort of appeared out of nowhere, is disproportionately affecting such a large group of people all of a sudden, magically out of nowhere. Uh, it's the most privileged group uh, in America, if not the world, certainly not in China, but, you know, anywhere in uh, sort of the Western world. You know, if, if you're trans... Uh, you, you know, you can do no wrong. You are beyond reproach. Um, is that the price of doing business? And therefore, you know, big tech is getting signals to push this kind of stuff because I, I just don't see otherwise why you would do it. And it's very much a created crisis, certainly as it relates to the transgender nonsense. No, no, I think I think it's a great point. I mean, to answer your your question in short, we ultimately don't know, right? It absolutely could be that Joe Sy and and these guys just want to sow chaos independently in the United States. I doubt that. I think to your yeah. point, this is more of a concerted effort where uh, you have the Chinese government that has this doctrine. It's called disintegration warfare. I talk about it in the book. Uh, and they want Americans at each other's throats. And the trans movement is part of that. And again, to me, the tell is Roy Singham and Joe Tsai, who are funding these things in the United States to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars, they're not supporting these causes in China itself, which indicates, I think, they're not really true believers. If they were true believers, they would be fighting these issues in China, where the conditions are far worse than they are in the United States. The other thing that's going on, Don, in conjunction with this is China has these massive social media farms where they have yeah. thousands of Chinese military officers that each one controls thousands of social media accounts in the West. They have them on X or Twitter. They have them on YouTube. Clearly uh, TikTok, right, which is CCP owned, basically. Right? Absolutely. And TikTok is kind of the crown jewel of all of it. But even on these other platforms, there are literally millions of accounts that are being run by Chinese operatives. And what they do, Don, is half of them, they're all posing as Americans. Half of them basically post content that says America is a hopelessly racist society. Nothing can be done. The other half of them are posting content that says, basically, I only like white people. I don't like minorities. Now, yeah. why are they doing this? Because they're trying to get us to turn against each other. Correct. Um, and TikTok, of course, as you said, is the is the sort of ultimate manifestation of that. Yeah, they're creating the smoke and the fire. And and I mean, that's so clear. I saw, you know, a friend of mine, uh, he's an African American former, you know, Pro Bowl uh, NFL player, Trent Cole, uh, played for a you know, a, a long time uh, you know, in Philadelphia and then the Colts. Uh, and he went to, he's an outdoorsman. I know I'm sort of through the hunting space. And he went to uh, the Harrisburg show, the big North American outdoor show. Uh, and he was like, hey, Don, you know, can I, can I go shake your father's hand? And, you know, took a picture. He posted it on TikTok. And like, it's just a picture with my father. No commentary, nothing political. I mean, they removed it instantly because yeah. it, it seemed very clear that you could not have you know, a black man with President Donald Trump that has a following that has, you know, perhaps other people, you know, it was gone. I mean, he yeah. put it, he was like, what, what, what just happened? Uh, you know, so, you know, that, that divide is being sown. And it, there's also obviously reports about the algorithm in China for these same platforms 
being very different in an effort to influence you know and or coerce American kids. I know in China, I've read you know the TikTok algorithm, uh, the TikTok algorithm uh, influences kids like, hey, you become an influencer, a superstar if you're doing physics projects and like scientific research. Where if you're in America, like the dumbest human being in the world is the person who's made into a hero, so that your children follow. Yeah, no, that, that you're exactly right on that account. And one of the things I talk about in the book is while we're having this debate, which we shouldn't be having because the debate's settled, but we're having this debate in this country about, well, is TikTok, TikTok a threat? Is it a propaganda vehicle? They're not having this debate in China. I mean, I in the book quote extensively from internal Chinese documents from the People's Liberation Army, from the propaganda ministry. They already recognize it and use it as a what they call a cognitive weapon against the united states so part of it to your point is they want to dumb down americans so yeah the, the kids screaming and and uh you know carrying around uh with blue hair saying nonsense uh goes viral in the united states the chinese equivalent doyan in china their equivalent to tiktok same company ByteDance. it's all about science it's about music it's about art it's about culture that's yeah. part of it the other part of it is manipulating emotionally young people. I mean, when you describe the the techniques that they use, I quote extensively from them in the book, you realize this is what's going on. You appeal to emotion. You try to strip people of their understanding and appreciation of historical knowledge of their country. They walk you through the steps. And the whole purpose of this platform really ultimately is to manipulate young people in this country and to move them in a direction that favors the CCP. They're very subtle about it. They're not over about it, but they have thought it through uh, and they do it in great, great detail. Censorship is part of it. The other part of it is pushing those themes and messages that undermine American independence. So we may deba be debating it here. They're not debating it in China. They're actually doing it, and they're quite explicit about it. Yeah, and they're using a similar pro propaganda mechanism over there, but just pushing their children in a way that's ultimately beneficial to China, not not detrimental to you know their country as it would be here in the United States. That's right. That's right. The the any messaging that takes place in China uh, leads them to the CCP. Any messaging in the United States generally they suppress pro-America content or pro-Western content relating to Israel, for example, and they push the stuff that is very negative and critical of the United States. And the other thing is to look at ByteDance, the company itself, which runs TikTok in China. Uh, you know, I talk in the book hundreds of the senior management officials in this company cut their teeth in the Ministry of Propaganda in China. They work for Chinese state-owned media. These are not 20-something tech guys who grew up in Hong Kong yeah. who don't like the CCP. They're part of the state. And ByteDance, this company that runs TikTok, also has joint ventures with the Chinese Ministry of State Security. They actually build algorithms together. They study things like manipulation of social media uh, to advance propaganda. So this is not even a normal American tech company, as bad as that can be. This is 10 degrees worse than that. And the fact is, we've got an army of people in D.C., Don, on both sides of the aisle yeah. who are collecting a lot of money from, from ByteDance and from TikTok that are lobbying for these guys. 
The solution was proposed by President Trump, which was to force the sale of TikTok to an American company. Biden, of course, reversed that. Uh, and you've got a lot of powerful people who do not want that done. That is the ultimate solution. You can't ban TikTok. The, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. But forcing the sale to an American company at least gives us better transparency and some better control than we have right now. So, I mean, how how much has the swamp uh, sold out to China. I mean, you know, our system is so different than that. You know, every congressman, every two years they're elected, they, you know, we, we make stupid decisions tomorrow, uh, you know, to get elected in two weeks that we're going to be beholden to for generations. You know, how bad has has that gotten where China is actually just influencing and controlling our government? I mean, you found, I know in the book, you know, a businessman who funneled money to the Bidens that has direct ties to the fentanyl trade. I mean, yeah. How is that even possible? How is that news? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. I mean, I get there's this powerful interest, but like, is there not someone other than me and you and maybe my father and, you know, and that, that will say like, this is actually a problem? Or are they just, is it like yeah. everything else? Like big war, like Ukraine funding? It's like, you know what? If the money's coming in, it's worth it for me because it's not my children that are going to go off to die. Yeah, no, I mean, there are huge implications for this. What I hear sometimes, Don, is people say, well, those guys in D.C. are bought off. They're bought off by somebody. You know, ultimately, it doesn't affect me. It, it absolutely does. And fentanyl is a great example of this. Uh, you know, we are losing basically 100,000 people every year through fentanyl poisoning. Yeah. Most people I mean, that that's are, two Vietnams a year. Like, exa you know, exactly. a year. That was a 13, I think, 13-year-long war. Like, nine years, 13 years, something like that. Like, it was a long time. We're, we're losing exactly. that twice yes. every year. And it's Every like, year. it's barely discussed. Like, you know, people, everyone knows someone that's been affected by it. And yet the outrage is not even all that palpable right now, which is just absolutely mind boggling to me. It's like we've become, you know, numb to the to the homicide of our children, which is a really sad place to be as a country. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's taking some of the best and brightest. And a lot of people don't realize that the vast majority of people dying of fentanyl poisoning don't even know they're taking fentanyl. Yeah. You know, it's a kid in college who's got to study for an exam and his buddy says, well, hey, you want to borrow, you want to take one of my Adderall? Uh, and the, he takes the Adderall. It's been laced with fentanyl. The thing that people have to understand is this is a Chinese fentanyl is a Chinese operation from beginning to end. We all know the precursors come from China, but those precursors, 90% of them go to a port in Mexico called Manzanillo. That port in, in Mexico is run by a Chinese company that is close to the Chinese state. That's the reason that this stuff can't be intercepted. They then take those precursors, ship them to, to a city in northern Mexico where our federal government says 2,000 Chinese nationals create a cocktail that turn those precursors into fentanyl. They then use pill presses that the cartels bought from the Chinese at cost, by the way. They're not price gouging the cartels. They take those pill presses and they actually make those pills, those poison pills that are going to kill Americans. They smuggle it across the open border. And when you're in a cartel in the United States, you've got to have uh, secure lines of communication, right? You don't want the feds hearing what you're doing. So Chinese what do they do? Let me guess. So, so what do they do? They use Chinese apps like WeChat uh, to communicate. The Mexican cartels do because they know the Chinese won't turn those over to the U.S. Uh, federal authorities. And then the final step, the money laundering prospect. It used to be these cartels uh, did the money laundering in South American banks. They use Chinese state-owned banks now. So it's an entire the entire chain is a Chinese operation. 
And to your point with the Bidens, we have talked about before, I first exposed in 2018 the fact that the Bidens were taking millions of dollars from these Chinese entities. We now know there is one degree of separation between the cartels in, in Mexico that are poisoning 100,000 Americans a year and the Biden family, namely a guy named White Wolf, who's the leader of a Chinese criminal gang who is widely recognized. His real name is An Lo. He's widely recognized as being the guy, his group, UBG, set up the Sinaloa cartel in the fentanyl trade. It's widely accepted. That guy has a business partner in China who gave the Bidens $5 million. And Hunter Biden said he was this guy's personal representative in the United States. So does Joe Biden really want to have a conversation about fentanyl and China's involvement in the fentanyl trade, given all of that? Hell no. And that's part of the problem. And and it's so obvious, too, right? Because there's there's no plausible link why, you know, there are many things. The Chinese, they're vicious, they're evil, they're, you know, dictatorial, yada, yada, yada. They're not stupid. Uh, right. They know exactly what they're doing. And uh, let's just say there's no ESG, you know, DEI <laughs> kind of policy in China where they give you know a billion dollars or five million dollars, depending on which fund Hunter's benefiting from to a guy that's, you know, never done any real investing and is a crackhead. They don't do that unless yes. unless there's an end goal objective. I mean, so you, you laid out some of the basic links between the Bidens and, and China. I mean, are there more? I mean, again, I, I don't see... You know, a billion dollars that was invested through a CCP-owned entity into Hunter's, you know, re, you know his business fund. I don't right. see that happening either. I mean, there's sort of the direct payoff, and then it feels like there's the indirect payoff. Can you get more into that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and look, this is what this is what I tell people all the time. Uh, people have various business dealings in China, um, and and that's kind of normal. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, your family has uh, has investments around the world. Um, pick somebody on not the other China, side. Not in China, but yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not in China, but elsewhere. Yes, exactly. Or you look at a guy like Michael Bloomberg, don't like his politics. He runs a global business, a legitimate business that provides civ- services and, and, and products as the Trump organization does. The Bidens don't have that. There is no business. There is no service. There is no product. There is nothing nothing that they have to offer anybody overseas except access to joe biden vice president now president of the united states so and this is a point i think that republicans on capitol hill have not emphasized enough you've got the chinese who have given the biden family some 30 million dollars these are not philanthropies okay yeah there is nothing to show for what that money uh for what that money occurred so it is about access it is about influence and it has given on the issue of fentanyl, Joe Biden to be silent on these issues. The ties go um, uh, also include Abby Lowell, who is who is, you know, a, a Biden a family attorney. You know, you see him there fighting for Hunter. Abby Lowell represented a Chinese business na- man named Hang Lap Sang. Um, and uh, the Department of Justice was actually looking at bringing up him up on charges of violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act. So he wasn't just functioning as a normal lawyer, but Abby Lowell represented Hang Lap Seng, who is a known leader of a Chinese, sorry, a known member of a Chinese organized crime syndicate that is also involved in the drug trade. So you have the Biden family getting um, $5 million. You have their lawyer that has this relationship. If you look down at the uh, at, at other levers, Gavin Newsom, uh, the governor of California, has a long 
association with Chinese organized crime figures. Going back to when he was mayor of San Francisco, the guy he put in charge of economic development for Chinatown was a dragon head, a leader of a Chinese organized crime syndicate that was doing what? Selling drugs and distributing drugs in the United States. He had a guy on his transition team as mayor named Keith Jackson, who was involved with Chinese organized crime, drug running, murder for hire plots. When he is mayor of San Francisco, Gavin Newsom wanted to bring in Chinese business investors. He partnered with a guy named Vincent Lowe, who was known to be tied to Chinese organized crime. And as a result of Gavin Newsom's effort called China SF, you have Chinese organized crime investing in the Bay Area openly. So this is, I'm convinced, one of the reasons we're not going to get action on fentanyl as long as this stuff is not exposed, because it's too complicating. It's too embarrassing. Yeah. It exposes things that make it hard for these people. I mean, and yet, you know, listen, I, I know we're living in a very, you know, sort of, you know, fractured country and world and politics, but are, are there no Democrats that would be willing to say some of the, I mean, you think like, hey, man, you're you're a Democrat in the Midwest somewhere and you, you get elected and whatever, like, are none of the, you know, I get, they do this game much better than us, right? They agree on something 51% and then everyone goes 100% lockstep regardless of what it is. Maybe that's how you survive as a Democrat. But you you would think that this would be something, you know, that would be, you know, bipartisan. Uh, that, that someone would be able to say, hey, this is a serious problem. You're conflicted out. There are, uh, and yet no one's actually done that yet. Yeah, they. I don't think they have. They've called out the Bidens on this issue or Gavin Newsom. Some of them have been very hard on China. Uh, Senator Warner from Virginia said some good things about you know uh, yeah. China and TikTok. He says TikTok should be banned. It should be can't, which is good. So I give Senator Warner credit for that. You've got a congressman in, in Maryland, Congressman Tron, who lost a cousin uh, to fentanyl, has been very outspoken of China's involvement. But you're right. They uh, are in lockstep. They will not criticize the leadership in their own party when they are compromised. Uh, on, on our side of the equation, I would say I've been very critical. I know you have, and there are other people who have been very critical of Mitch McConnell and Mitch McConnell's ties to yeah. China which is good and healthy, which is what parties should do. But as far as the Democratic Party is concerned, I have not seen that yet. I'm hoping and praying that we'll see it, but um, I'm not holding my breath. So we learned, you know, last week that, uh, I guess, uh, Tony Bobolinsky went back into uh, Congress to testify about this stuff. Obviously, he was Hunter's business partner. You know, what can we expect to learn about CEFC and Bobolinsky? Uh, how much further is it? I mean, he, he said, you know, hey, Joe Biden's the big guy. Like, because, of course, Joe Biden's the big guy. You know, Hunter had nothing else that, you know, I, I, I always hear about, you know, the Biden brand. It's like, well, you know, we, we came from a company that did brand. Like, we built buildings all right. over the world with our name on it. We understand brand. I don't know that they'd actually ever done anything other than, you know, peddle influence in D.C. while pretending to be public, you know, noble and humble, you know, blue collar public servants. It's the greatest line of shit I've ever heard in my life. Uh, what, what can we learn about? What do you think we're going to learn about Bobolinsky and what, what he said in there? And what, what perhaps do you do you know about already that you, you, you put in the book? Well, I think I think uh, Tony Bobolinsky is uh, is an excellent witness. Um, I've, I've met with him a couple of times. Um, uh, I know him pretty well. He's not a guy that uh, is interested in the limelight, you know, so he's kept yeah. 
pretty quiet uh, with regards to this stuff. But he's also really, Don, one of the few people that works with the Bidens who was not a hanger on. Right. Mm -hmm. All these other guys were either ex-politico types. uh, They were guys that didn't bring a lot to the table other than being loyal politically to to Hunter and or Joe. Yeah. Stay in the slipstream. You get the benefits. That's that's your that's your living. Exactly. That's the business model. Tony Bobulinski is a self-made man. He's a financier, successful on his own. He's independently wealthy, a former naval officer. He doesn't need anything from the Bidens. So he was able to be clear cut uh, about what the arrangements were. He also brought with him, and I've seen some of them, the actual text messages and and uh, messaging app communications he had with Hunter, with other business partners. And look, he's very explicit. I mean, this was about the Biden brand. And when you use the term the Biden brand, yeah, it really what, what you what, what you mean? What, yeah, by, what more is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's and, nothing. And what you mean, and what These you are mean not by, brilliant people. Joe Biden was known as the dumbest man in the United States Senate for like half a century. Like this is not. Uh, well, well, and the other thing is like the 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 brand is what the brand is. He has political power. The brand is not fashion. The brand is not. Yeah you know, a technical wizardry. The brand is he has political power. So when they say they're selling the Biden brand, they're selling access. That's yeah. what they're selling. Uh, and they got access and they got it explicitly. And I think we all have to remind ourselves there, there's this, you know, the Democrats keep saying, well, you can't show that Joe Biden personally finance, uh, personally benefited financially. Of course, of course you can. But let's remember, that's not what the bribery laws say. The bribery laws say if I'm a senator from the state of Florida and my son gets paid money from an outside interest and I do that interest favor, that is the same thing as if I took the money myself. It It does not matter if Joe Biden got a dime. We know we got several hundred thousand dollars. What matters is his family got tens of millions of dollars uh, and, and he took actions and policy positions that were beneficial to those people. That is the same as if he got every dime himself. So we can't let that fool uh, us when we're having this discussion. And I hope Republicans on Capitol Hill hammer that point a whole lot more. Yeah. And, and again, it's not like there's a plausible belief that Hunter Biden was this great international businessman, that he had thrown together right. these sort of complex deal structures, that uh, that he was better at this than countless of people on wall street or other like right. no one no one's buying that like we've seen the photos we've seen the text messages we've seen the laptops like like you can't you can't sell that with a straight face uh yeah. you know 51 intelligence officers going to bat for you and there's still doubt because they're like no way it's not gonna yeah. it, there's no way no and you, and you bring up a great point here because they're the the Biden team is really trying to have it both ways. On the one hand, they say, well, no, Hunter was a legitimate businessman uh, who was engaged in international commerce. And that's why these deals came about. But then when these questions are raised about the financial transactions, they switch to, well, he was a drug addict. He didn't really know what he was doing. He really didn't have a control. He lied. You can't have it both ways. You can't say the foreign businessman saw him as this, you know, wonderfully educated man who clearly didn't have any of these skills and abilities. And on the other hand, say he was this hopeless drug addict who didn't know what he was doing. So it speaks to me of the fact that the Biden family has lied about this from the beginning. When I first exposed this in 2018, they said there were no deals. Um, then they switched to saying, well, but there was no money that happened. Your father uh, on the, in the 2020 campaign raised that issue. We know that it's lied and they've continued to lie every step along the way to where they've gone from the point of saying, 
you know, previously, just a few months ago, Joe Biden had no knowledge of this to now saying he was not financially involved in these deals. He may have been involved in these deals. He was not financially involved. It's 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 wordsmithing to the end. And if you look at a lot of the polls, more than 60 percent of the American people believe that Joe Biden participated in these deals and that he engaged in unethical and or illegal activities to help his family. So public opinion has really changed on this, which is very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, the other 40 percent are absolute idiots or, you know, they or they're just not paying attention. But you're right. I mean, there's there's. They get to have it both ways all the time. That seems to be very consistent. When they finally get caught, then they just move the goalposts. I mean, we saw that now, you know, two weeks ago, uh, you know, when Joe Biden, I am not incompetent. Well, then you should be standing trial because you clearly committed a crime. I mean, your own Department of Justice appointed someone, a special, a special prosecutor, her, to look into you. He found that you definitely did these things, but... You know, the world wouldn't see you as competent. A jury would find you incompetent. Now, that said, you can be incompetent to stand trial, but you can still have the nuclear football. Well, right, I mean, right. you can't have it both ways. So, you know, I'm watching Democrats do the, you know, their mental gymnastics of how, you know, Joe Biden's so competent. Joe Biden, you know, we know, we see him in the White House. He runs circles around these young Ivy League you know, political kids in the White House. Now, no one in three and a half years has yet to witness Joe Biden running circles around anyone publicly. Uh, You know, apparently he used up all his brilliance, all his energy in the White House behind closed doors because no one's ever, we see him getting lost on stages, falling downstairs, but he gets to have it both ways. He can be incompetent to stand trial, but totally competent to be president. And you have the entire Democrat apparatus going to bat for him saying he's got incredible energy. He's incredibly competent. Well, fine. But then then he should be charged. Like, which one is it? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's 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 trying to have it both ways. And they've done the same thing on the on the corruption issues. And the mainstream media has not called them out on it. I do feel like, uh, you know, we're reaching critical mass on, on these issues. And I think as much as the mainstream media has tried to cover up uh, for uh, the Biden administration, whether it's on the corruption stuff or on the competence stuff, um, people are seeing it with their own eyes and people are realizing what's going on. I have said for a while, I personally don't think that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. I think they're going to look for a off ramp situation where he will remain as president. He'll serve out his term, but he will say, you know, for the good of the country, I'm going to focus on that and somebody else is going to replace him. I don't think it's going to be Kamala Harris because she pulls even worse than uh, Joe Biden does. Uh, and then it's the cast of characters that are out there, whether it's, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom or Whitmer or, you know, whoever else it might be. Uh, but their plan, I think, is to wait until the convention in the summer. Uh, Because what they don't want to have is a lot of scrutiny of who the new replacement is. They want it in a compressed period of time. They want it handpicked. Yes, they they were handpicked by the superdelegates and the delegates of the convention. Because Uh, democracy. Yeah, exactly. And then you're (laughs) going to have, you know, these media outlets are going to run these sort of glowing stories about these people, these personality profiles. They're going to try to avoid debates in the fall and hope that they can just sort of coast through. I don't think the mood of the American people is such as that, that, that they will get away with all of that, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you write in the book, you know, about another, you know, of the cast of characters, you know, John Kerry, you know, former vice president, uh, that he also has motives to not call out China 
for flooding the U.S. with fentanyl. What are, what are those reasons? Because, you know, you hear about John Kerry, you hear about the obvious uh, and very well-known ties to Iran. Uh, it's why our policy there was so poor, why he's, you know, uh, violating all sorts of acts, basically, fun, you know, functioning as a de facto, uh, you know, middleman to Iran, even, you know, things that, let's just say, you couldn't do if you were in the Trump administration. Uh, but, you know, I'd never heard about his uh, involvement as it relates to uh, China and fentanyl, that that seems to be, you know, not surprising, I guess. But uh, what, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable. If you look at when fentanyl arrived on the scene in the Obama administration, and of course, John Kerry served in the Obama administration, uh, Secretary of State, um, he really did nothing. By 2016, it was already starting to reach a crisis. He would not call China out. He would not challenge China. Uh, then, of course, he joins the Biden administration uh, working on environmental issues. He has never called out China for their involvement in the fentanyl trade. The only president to have done so was President Trump, who called out President Xi. Uh, Xi promised to do something about it. Of course, Xi didn't do something about it. But there has been this lack of wanting to call people out. Barack Obama didn't do it. John Kerry hasn't done it. Adam Schiff hasn't done it. And what you find in a lot of cases is these people have financial incentives or reasons for not wanting to talk about fentanyl or not wanting to call out China. So with Barack Obama, for example, Barack Obama leaves the White House within seven months. Where does he go? He goes to Shanghai, China, where he gives a speech in front of 3000 Chinese officials. We don't know how much money he made. But what we do know is the media reported if you wanted to shake Barack Obama's hand in China, it cost you nine hundred dollars. If you wanted your picture taken with him, it would cost you $40,000. And there were 3,000 people lined up to have this done with Barack Obama. So Barack Obama cashed in. He's never talked about China's involvement with fentanyl. Uh, you look at John Kerry. John Kerry, of course, married Teresa Hines. They have a lot of financial investments. They have millions of dollars in preferred uh, private investments in China that are run by Chinese nationals. Um, he is completely de-incentivized to challenge China on anything because it would affect his financial bottom line. Uh, and then you get to Adam Schiff, you know, chairman of the Intelligence Yeah, I take this Committee. one personally. I'm kind of curious because this is the guy that <laughs> wanted to try me for treason. And, you know, just, you know, a, a liar. He lied to the American public ad nauseum. But uh, you, you mentioned him, so I was definitely going to ask you, what what are exactly his ties uh, to China and the fentanyl trade. Yeah, so so Adam Schiff uh, represents a district in California and includes Burbank and uh, Glendale and some other cities. In his district from 2016 to now, the rate of fentanyl deaths has gone up more than 1,200%. But he never talks about China's involvement in fentanyl. When he was chairman of the Intelligence Committee, he chased Russia collusion, yeah. which was a fantasy, that he never had one hearing on fentanyl, one discussion about China's involvement in the fentanyl trade. Um, on if you go on his personal website, um, where he talks about the the Ebola virus, he talks about monkeypox, doesn't talk about China's involvement in fentanyl at all. So I thought this is weird. Why is he blind to this? He doesn't have a lot of investments that that seem to be tied to China. Well, it turns out he has a lot of personal relationships with people that were involved in money laundering and organized crime relationships. There's a uh, there was a company in his district called Allied Wallet run by a guy named Adnan Kawaja 
uh, who donated more than $100,000 to his political campaigns. He introduced Adam Schiff to a Saudi prince. They had this social relationship. Well, turns out Andy Kawaja, where is he now? He's actually overseas. He's fled. The FBI is trying to arrest him because he was involved in money laundering operations, including those involving Chinese elements that are laundering drug money. So that's one guy that he's tied to. Then there yeah, and, he, are, and he's likely to be the next senator from the state of California, which is, it, you know. Yeah, it seems my, to Minor be. details, they, right? I mean, who cares? It's not like they don't have other problems, I guess, you know. <laughs> right. But, but think about that. You've got this thing that's plaguing your district. The state of California has had over a 1,000% increase in fentanyl deaths. He talks about it like it's some drug issue like cocaine or heroin, which it's not. He never talks about China. He also has ties, uh, had ties to uh, elements of organized crime, Armenian organized crime in his district. There's a large Armenian community, certainly a lot of great Armenian Americans, but there are also criminal networks there. Some of those leaders were campaign supporters. They were social friends. They were charged. They were involved in money laundering networks as well. So Schiff has these entanglements. He does not want to talk about China. He does not want to talk about uh, how this fentanyl network works uh, because it comes too close to home and it's too embarrassing. So he goes off and chases, you know, the the Ebola virus or monkeypox, which has killed one American, uh, avoiding the fact that this thing that's killing 100,000 Americans, he just does not even want to talk about it. So uh, you talk about some of the, the research that you did for blood money. I mean, how do you go about that? What's the investigative process for a book like this, how does that even work? I mean, I, I've written two bestsellers, I, but, you know, it, it's different when it's sort of, you know, my story. I know, you know, where do you start? Uh, how do you uncover all of these sort of major stories? Uh, why is it that no one else uh, in your profession will even bother to look into it? Because you think, that, you know, this is kind of groundbreaking, even if you're being partisan. It's like, I don't know, you got a market of half the country uh, that'd be sort of curious. And yet the, the total lack of curiosity uh, is, is also perhaps... Uh, really surprising. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I think it's a combination of things. One is um, uh, certainly the political bias. If, if you know, imagine if a Republican uh, 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 senator or or uh, had a family member or somehow that was tied in these ways to the fentanyl trade or money laundering, I think the mainstream press would be all over it. So part of it is yes. just Yes, if, if it was the Don Jr. laptop from hell, the Don Jr. <laughs> ties to China, the Don Jr. and prostitutes, the Don Jr. and crack, the Don Jr. and wire trade, like, there wouldn't be a lack of evidence. You know, I, I have a feeling, Peter, there there would be, there'd magically be plenty of evidence. I'd be in Gitmo and my father would have been impeached in about 35 seconds. Yeah, I mean the, the media would 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 be covering it, um, and and they're not covering these stories. So part of it's the political bias. Part of it is you know it takes a lot of time. I'm fortunate because I write a book every two years, so that gives me a year with a team of researchers to really dig down deep on this stuff. So when we were looking at the fentanyl trade, for example, I you want to look at why are some people that are 
always outspoken that run towards a microphone anytime there's one available. Why are they not talking about this stuff? Yeah, Ad- Ad- so, Adam Schiff. <laughs> exactly. Adam. <laughs> he Schiff never met a microphone example. he didn't love, uh, or yeah, you know, or and, a camera. And, and he, but like, but strangely, he wouldn't talk about something killing a hundred thousand Americans and quite a few Californians. Yeah, and and he and he, you know, talks about the fact all the time. Well, I'm a former federal prosecutor, and I used to take on Russian organized crime. Well, why are you not talking about Chinese organized crime? Why are you not talking about the drug trade? So you begin with this kind of anomaly this is odd this is weird and then you see if there's something there now sometimes with some people you don't really find it because you're not capable of finding it because it's too hidden or whatever but other times you do so you begin with that but i've got a great team of researchers i've got 13 of them we we have a lot of expensive tools that we use some of them are tools that um, Homeland Security and others use uh, that we can uh, purchase from companies. So we use that information. And then it's just kind of piecing it together and, and figuring it out. With Gavin Newsom, um, it was just simply a question of looking at his rise to political power in in the Bay Area. And you realize how closely he was tied to these guys that ended up being figures in Chinese organized crime. And that even reverberates today. Uh, and then with the Bidens, it was a question of doing a, a what we call a 360 degree look at people. So you've got this guy, uh, Yimin, who's sending five million dollars to the Bidens. We know a lot about Yimin. W- you know, what what other connections and relationships does he have? Does that relate to anything the Bidens are not talking about? And lo and behold, it turns out he's partners with this guy, White Wolf. Uh, who set up Sinaloa cartel in the fentanyl trade. So it's a lot of digging and researching. It's my favorite part of the process. I don't know about you, Don. I hate writing books. It's agonizing. It's frustrating. I love researching them. So uh, so that's really it. I, I get two years to do this every time, and that really makes it easy and simple for me. You know, I'm curious, you know, in, in all of your time doing this research, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Taiwan, right? We we constantly hear about reunification. I'm not sure, you know, they, they don't want it, but uh, it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, I think, you know, the Chinese are looking at us and, you know, our weakness, our depletion of our own, uh, you know, weapon stockpile so we can uh, protect Ukraine's borders while ours, you know, are being flooded with, you know, illegals and fentanyl and sex trafficking and, and all of these things. You know, does your book provide any context on reunification for Taiwan and and where it goes from here? Because it feels like to me as an outsider looking in, you know, whatever the timeline was, and I'm sure there was a timeline, it's been greatly accelerated by the Chinese Communist Party uh, simply because America's standing in the world is not what it used to be. Yeah, I I think it has accelerated. And look, I think their strategy is to further weaken the United States. I ran across this uh, Chinese military journal and when they talked about the internal conflict in America is sapping us of our energy. Uh, and that's a good thing as it relates to Taiwan or other foreign ambitions that they have. But I think the strategies are related. And I think sometimes people think, well, Taiwan's far off. Why should we worry about it? We should worry about it because it's part of the larger strategy. And their main strategy is to go after the United States to divide us and to weaken us. Um, one of the most shocking things I discovered in the book is what they're doing to push violence on America's streets with these left wing groups. But there's a small device. You'll know what it is because you're a gun guy. I'm a gun guy. There's a small device called a Glock switch. You can insert it into a Glock handgun, yep. uh, and it basically turns the Glock handgun into a machine gun. Highly illegal. You can only have it in the United States with a federal license. Well, 
beginning in 2018 when your father was president, what happens? China starts mass importing these into the United States, smuggling them to criminal gangs, drug gangs. And what happens? The rate of machine gun fire on America's streets skyrockets. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what does the Biden administration do? Do they even discuss this? Do they raise this with the Chinese? Do they challenge them? No. They go after ordinary Americans and try to strip them of their Second Amendment rights. Yeah. So if they were really concerned about mayhem in the streets, they'd be worried about these criminal gangs that have been given access to Glock switches by the Chinese rather than worry about a guy that goes out on the weekend and hunts with his AR-15. But they're just not interested in that. And that's exactly what China wants to happen in the United States. It wants chaos. It wants social chaos. It wants division. And it wants our leaders not focused on them, but focused on these internal squabbles. You know, yeah, I mean, without question, I think, the, you know, the other stuff we saw is, you know, during COVID, we saw the dangers of supply chain dependence. I mean, our antibiotics all come from China. Masks, not that they were useful, but like they all came from China and no one really knew at the time. You know, what role will that have moving forward in our security? When we talk about Taiwan, obviously, you know, they're producing the vast majority of, you know, microchips uh, for the world and for even U.S. consumption. We don't have these abilities. Uh, we have ceded that to China, to you know our oligarch class here in America, the billionaire class, and you manufacture. You know they say, hey, we can save two cents by sending it off to China and perhaps Taiwan. And Taiwan's thus far been an ally, uh, but if they do that, I mean, I imagine they could take over Taiwan in in minutes. And if they do, uh, that's a serious problem for America because we have farmed all that stuff out beyond, again, beyond what's already on mainland China, namely, you know, the vast majority of our medical infrastructure. Yeah, no, it's it's a huge, huge problem. And that's what happened in covid. And really, they had they had the Trump administration over a barrel because what they did is they lied to us for several months. Uh, I talk about this yeah. in the book. I've got a chapter on covid and, and Tony Fauci, how he was covering up for the Chinese. But first two months of covid, they lied to the world and they said uh, this virus exists, but it doesn't transfer from human to human. Don't worry about it. And so what do they do? I got leaked documents from Homeland Security and elsewhere. They cornered the market in PPE supplies, masks yeah. and things. I'm talking about masks for medical, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, well, people. I've heard I'm they made talking... more billionaires during COVID than, you know, any kind of creation of wealth uh, in, in history, meaning, you know, on a relative basis. And it was all through PPE in China. Exactly right. And so they cornered the market. So when they finally told the rest of the world at the end of January, oh, by the way, this virus does transfer from person to person. Everybody's looking for a mask. You can't find them because China produces them and they've cornered the market. They've imported the ones that are out there back into their own country. And that had us over a barrel. Uh, yeah. because now you're in a situation where what do you tell medical personnel that are trying to treat this virus that we don't know much about at the time? So, uh, yes, they have used these as a weapon in the past. They will use these as weapons in the future. Uh, and we have got to onshore manufacturing in the United States. And if it's not in the United States, it's of a labor cost. At least let's do it in Mexico or yeah. some you know relatively friendly country in comparison to China, which is hostile and is carrying out the strategy of disintegration warfare. Yeah. And some of the brands I sort of work with, it's sort of, you know, anywhere but China. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah. this way, it's like anywhere but China. Th that said, you know, again, the, the risk of Taiwan, while they're a great ally, it's like, you know, that, that could disappear pretty quickly. So, you know, keep it in North America if you can. It's not ideal, but it's uh, uh, it, it's certainly better, uh, you know, than the options. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, 
Talk a little further about COVID because that that one was so clear to me. You know, it doesn't feel like it's even remotely a stretch to say that, you know, they weaponized COVID, not just to get wealthy, uh, but, you know, if if they had the ability to try to hurt you know, the Trump administration, if they had the ability, frankly, in their own country, uh, you know, a virus that magically, you know, takes out the elderly in the infirm, you know, of which now China has a very growing population of elderly infirm dependents that have also, you know, finally experienced a little taste of the upside. You can't just tell those people, now, F you, you're on your own anymore. So you have this virus that perfectly takes out a problem that they're willing to deal with. And again, China, let's not pretend, you know, we're not going to pretend they they actually give a crap about their people. So, I mean, it seemed like the perfect sort of bioweapon for them. And again, you know, people will say I'm a conspiracy theorist for even thinking this, but like, like to me, it's the most plausible answer in the world. Just like, you know, the lies about the origin of the Wuhan virus. Like, of course it came from the lab that studies the exact virus in question. Like, of course it did. But, you know, the, then the question is, did it leak or not? On You know, and was that on purpose or not? Yeah. And, and, you know, hopefully we're going to get an answer to that question. What, what, what people have to realize, though, is where President Xi comes from and what his background is. And I talk about this in the book. President Xi revered his father. Uh, his father was a CCP official. He got caught up in the in the purges with Mao and then was restored to power. But he he Xi built this big mausoleum in honor of his father. One of his father's so-called greatest gestures was when he was 14 years old, his father tried to poison his teacher because his teacher was counter-revolutionary. President G thinks that's cool. President G thinks that's great. President G's wife, who's a famous singer in China, after the massacre at Tiananmen Square, she was the singer that went and serenaded the troops that had just massacred some 10,000 people in Tiananmen yeah. Square. So wow. these are these are not these are not yeah. foreign leaders. <laughs> You're not like, saying it's out of the realm of possibility. It's probably right. far more likely to be exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, look, this is not like the prime minister of Japan or Great Britain or yeah. South Korea. I mean, they, this this is a hardened guy who also is deeply tied to Chinese organized crime and is deeply uh, uh, believes that that China is going to surpass the United States. And he's made that the mission of the Chinese state. We also know that China's done huge. I talk about this in the book, huge investment in all kinds of biomedical research that can be weaponized. So the notion that, oh, this was just kind of an accident. The fact that they lied about it, lied about it repeatedly, uh, tried to manipulate us. They even tried to push their sort of authoritarian response to diseases in the United States. I point out in the book, for example, that the they, they Chinese drone company donated 100 drones. Most of them ended up in California and New Jersey. And local authorities there started using these drones. They were taught by the Chinese how to use them to uh, monitor the population to enforce lockdowns. Think about that for a second. That's what they do in China. And they are getting cities, municipalities in the United States to do the same thing. So they saw COVID as an opportunity to weaken the United States. They also saw it as an opportunity to push their version of what government should look like. And we need to remind ourselves the next time something like this happens, because it's going to, that their agenda is far more broad based than just trying to help out another country uh, to deal with a disease. That that's, that's really at the bottom of their list of priorities. That's interesting. Peter, what, what's the sort of top line conclusion you want readers to take away from your book? Uh, you know, when, when they read blood money, you know, how much, 
should any of this really shock the conscience at this point? I mean, I think we're all a little bit, uh, let's call it dejected uh, with our government. I, I think we have to change that. Hopefully, honestly, hopefully so much so that people will actually do something about it this coming November. But, you know, your books like Clinton Cash and others, they, they do seem to really make an impact. You know, so what do you think that top line is that you want people to understand, you know, going into this really critical year for our country? Uh, there's a lot of things that have happened over the last five years in the country, socially, chaos in the streets, violence. Um, these are not random occurrences. I'm not saying China's the sole cause, but they are the accelerant. Uh, they are desirous of social disintegration in the United States. They're explicit about it. And we have leaders, including the current occupant of the White House and people of both political parties on Capitol Hill that know this is going on and do not want to talk about it, despite yeah. the fact that now literally millions of Americans have been killed by these actions. They don't want to talk about it because either they are personally compromised or B, think about it, Don, if what I'm saying is true, and I think the evidence is overwhelming, you can't have a normal relationship with China. You right. cannot have a normal, hey, let's talk about doing a, a joint trade deal together. You can't have that yeah. relationship with no. a country that is literally killing millions of your own people. And so you have some people that may not be personally corrupt. They don't want the hassle. It's a terrible thing to say about leaders. They don't want to put up with the headache of having to redefine our entire relationship with China based on what they're doing. So I hope they take a, take that away. This is not the decline of America because America is now a terrible, corrupt place. This is America under assault by some people domestically and China adding accelerants to this fire that is raging in the country. And we need to stop it. We are not as divided as people want us to think. And we need to unite together and fight it to save this country because it's worth saving. Well, I, I love that, Peter. I mean, I think that's that's the call to action, guys. You know, you know, get the book, check out Blood Money, but also make sure you're asking your politicians these questions. Hold them accountable. Make them answer. You. These are not... You know, little nothing things. These are major things killing Americans. These are things that, you know, uh, that any other time in history, American history, would be major scandals. You know, call them out. Make sure they're having that conversation. Make sure that people are, are you know, are pushed because we deserve answers for all of this. So, Peter, uh, thank you so much, guys. Again, go check out Blood Money. Uh, definitely going to be worth your while. Uh, we need more people like Peter out there getting this kind of information to the people. But then it's our job to utilize that information to figure out what the hell is actually going on in our government. So thanks so much, Peter. Really great having you on. Uh, look forward to uh, all the success you could possibly have with the book. Thanks so much, Don. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it very much. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Make sure you're liking. That's how we get this out there. Like it, share, subscribe, because I'm not on every day. I need you guys getting it out there. You can also get the podcast on Spotify and iTunes podcasts. If you get your podcast there, great. If you know friends that do, if they're maybe not on Rumble, but they get it there, send them the link. Recommend it to them. We need you guys to help push this to get it out there. I see the amount of likes based on the people that are watching live and I see where we're at. They're not the same. So hit the button. It doesn't take any effort. Maybe the trolls aren't going to do it, but I know the vast majority of you are not trolls. 
So hit that. That's how we break the algorithm and take on big tech. We're not going to get it out there any other way because it's you guys who make this possible along with our incredible sponsors. Go check out The Wellness Company by going to twc.health slash triggered, like the name of the show, for a 15% discount on their emergency medical kit. We want you to be prepared. We want you to be safe. We want you to be able to take care of your family. Do that, and this is going to take care of any kind of health outbreak you can deal with. TWC.health slash triggered. Also, go to DonJuniorGold.com to learn how gold, silver, precious metals can take care of you and stabilize your portfolio. We want to take care of your health. We want to take care of your financial well-being, but we also want you to educate yourself. So the folks over at Gold Co. will take you through the process step by step. Learn, educate yourself, inform yourself, make the intelligent decisions for you and your family and their financial well-being. Go to DonJuniorGold.com, D-O-N-J-R, Gold.com to learn more. And I will see you guys very soon. Hope you have an awesome week.